Good evening, everyone. This is Shannon Fisher, your host tonight. You are listening to The Authentic Woman, Perspectives on the Female Experience in America. I'm excited to have a live show for you tonight. There's always really good energy when the discussion is being aired for an audience in real time. So you guys are in for a great show tonight. My guest is Tanya Tatum. Tanya is the moderator and producer of the Tatum Talks. And this is a forum that began as kind of a series of informal discussions on Facebook, and it grew and grew into an open forum for discussing topics that affect the African-American community. She, prior to producing the Tatum Talk, she was the co-host and producer for Live in the Vocal Booth on BKS1 Radio, and that show focused on discussing issues relating to national headlines. She serves as a, a regular contributor to EURweb.com. She's been featured on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show in Essence Magazine, and she was also featured in UniteWomen.org's Unite Against Rape campaign. Um, she earned her bachelor's degree in marketing from James Madison University, and she also went to high school with me. <laughs> we recently reconnected. <laughs> So this is this is exciting to see where we've kind of both taken our careers and to and to meet this way and, and have the conversation that we're gonna have, which is I think is gonna be very important. She has a, a passion for the progression of African Americans in this country. And tonight we're gonna discuss issues about race that are often misunderstood. Um, we hope we're gonna open some eyes and educate some minds and open a dialogue that we hope will continue past the show. The only real way to understand the experience of another person is to hear it in their own words. And so tonight, Tanya and I are going to compare some women's issues that impact Caucasians and African Americans differently, and um, we're going to dive right into those issues. So, Tanya, welcome to The Authentic Woman. Oh, thank you, Shannon, and I am definitely excited to be considered an authentic woman. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely, I think uh, I, I think as long as we're living our true, authentic selves, no matter no matter what that is or where that takes us, then we're we're definitely doing well in life. Well, if I may, before we really jump into this thing, because I, I got both shoes off, pants, pant legs rolled up, I'm ready to jump. But I do want to preface, if if you don't mind, that I think this goes for both of us. We don't represent mm-hmm. the, the the whole. We are, you know, just because we're speaking up, we are speaking our truth. So I need to say that I'm speaking my truth, but I'm going to say it loudly. And, and I'm going to say it um, without apology. But I also want to say no matter what we talk about tonight, I am not offended. I don't get offended by this stuff. In fact, I wish we would have more of these kinds of conversations where we can be open and honest and say exactly what's on our mind and not walk away thinking, oh, goodness, what do they think? Do they think the worst of me? A lot of it is chalked up to ignorance. I Googled uh, some stereotypes for uh, black and white women, and it, it was interesting. Tanya and I were talking leading into the show, and, and it, it was funny that I actually had to Google this topic because I, I really wasn't aware of, you know, kind of the big-picture cultural stereotypes coming from both angles for African Americans and for Caucasians. Um, and so since all we have uh, is our individual experience, I figured I wanted to kind of look and see from the entire community um, what those opinions and ideas are. And there are positive and negative stereotypes for both. Um, and mm-hmm. while there's a certain segment of each population that probably does fit into that small box, we are projecting those stereotypes on other people that are nothing at all like the one bad apple that spoils the bunch. Um, so what, what is your take on that, Tanya? What do you, what, what do you think that uh, uh, 
the, the projection of these negative stereotypes on people that do not portray those characteristics at all. That's a very, that is a very big uh, thorn in my side personally, and sometimes I carry that cross a little too too close to my heart specifically because I am not every black woman, every black person out there, and that goes both in a positive and a negative um, direction. So this, right. I love black people. I just need to put that out there. I love all all my people. I'm I'm proud to be a black woman, but I am not proud of every black person out there. Just like I'm not proud of every American out there, and I'm proud to be an American, right? So the the negative side has really kicked up specifically for black women, Shannon. It is kicked up with reality TV. Now. Uh-huh. I am going to sound like a hypocrite because I do enjoy a few shows, and they are guilty pleasures, and they shall remain they they shall remain nameless for tonight. <laughs> but the sad thing is, I had an eye opening experience earlier this year, and I actually wrote a, a blog about it uh, probably back in April, where I was reading an article in Essence magazine, and it came across it was basically talking about black women and how we can get ahead in in corporate America, and of course they brought up how we get paid what is it like seventy three cents on the dollar for compared to white men as women and then black women get paid even less and they exactly. said one of the reasons why we get paid less than white women is because the people who are doing the hiring listen to me here the people that are doing the hiring shannon a lot of times they don't interact with us on a regular basis so guess where they get their stereotypes what guess where they get their thoughts of us their perspectives of us reality from those TV. reality tv shows and wow. that hurt so bad, and it has really gotten me questioned. That's why I said these shows will <laughs> remain nameless, because it I, has really got me questioning, what am I really, how am I adding to this? And I'm a big believer. I'm one of those people that believes that my voice matters, my one voice matters, my one vote sure. matters, what I, what I feel matters, I matter. So that works both in a positive and a negative direction. But then here's the flip side. Here's the positive. You have people out there like Oprah, Michelle Obama, Yolanda Von Zant. You have all these uh, like Shonda Rhimes who are holding it down and doing their thing and representing and showing the power, the true power of what black women can do. And so I'm okay with falling under their so-called stereotypes, you see. Mm-hmm. So that's how it can work both negative and positive, at least for me. Sure. And so What about what? you? What about me as far as... Well, let me say specific. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you, and I said this to you already. When you when we were talking back and forth about what this show would be and what we would how we would jump in, you said mm-hmm. I want to I want to talk about stereotypes. Um, let me go Google some. And I honestly sat back and was like, Is she serious? She really has yeah. to go and Google stereotypes. Like, yeah. and 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 we could go and talk to the next white woman, and she could probably rattle off seven to ten stereotypes that she hears, on, you know, for white people, for black people. But I was absolutely right. baffled that you actually had to go and sit and look some up. So sure. I don't know what that means. I Well, I mean, I, I always try to look at each individual as an individual. You know, I, I mean, obviously there are the, the stereotypes of the, the people that are on the reality TV and, and a long list of, you know, historical archetypes, and, and we can get into some of those in detail as, as we go on. Um, but also with white women, there's the stereotype. You know, there's the, the stereotype of uh, kind of the, the first world problems uh, thing, you know, uh, white girl problems. 
Um, and just kind of really, for me, the main thing, and I know this is something that you really want to talk about as well, white privilege. I mean, I think that yeah. one of the main issues right now for people of color, um, all people of color, is that so many Caucasians deny that there is such a thing as white privilege. Um, I think anyone who can't see it is completely blind. I mean, and I'm hoping from our discussion that we can kind of explain to people exactly what white privilege is, and hopefully that will help break down some of the stereotypes and some of the barriers and, and most importantly, the barriers in conversation. So many people that I know, uh, you know, the old saying, born on third base and think we hit a home run. I mean, that's, you know, it's, a, um, it's, it's an old saying, but it's, it's a cliche for a reason is that there are so many people that are born in a position where they are teed up to succeed in certain areas of life simply by their socioeconomic status, their gender, their race, and without accepting that and understanding that, um, I, I don't think that there's any way that uh, there can be an understanding uh, across all of those lines. What are what are your thoughts on, on that? Okay, so when it comes to white privilege, just for anybody out there who maybe uh, for some reason has been living under a rock, especially us coming off of this whole Ferguson thing with the with um, the Trayvon Martin trial, the uh, the um, Jonathan Davis trial, and then with the young man and Michael being shot in Ferguson, there's been a whole lot of white privilege discussions that have been coming up. And I, I and I must say, at least for me as an adult, it's the most that I've heard. You know, as an yeah. adult, and that's a good thing. The thing is, is I, me personally, I can have racial, I can have race relation discussions all day, every day, and rarely will I walk away offended because I get white privilege, and it's nobody's. Mm, let me let me back off of that word. I was going to say it's nobody's fault. I understand why white privilege exists, and I understand it as backing up to be an American. I'm, I've been right. blessed to travel a lot, and when you, I think it is so important for people, especially Americans, to leave out of this country and go to a second or a third world country, so that you can see how privileged you truly are. When you're barking and complaining over such petty things, go to another country that. Live, people living in tents or shanties on the side of the road, and they are just so happy to see you, and they think that you are rich, and the truth is you are. So that's how I don't. That's why I don't get so deep, deeply offended when I when I hear or when I realize that someone um, is is steeped in their white privilege. Now, don't take offense right. to this. Part of me, when I heard you say, part of me when you came back and said, "Oh, I don't know any stereotypes." Part of me did think that's white privilege. Now, I have to yeah, probably take that back because, uh, well, here's the thing. White people, I think that, let's be real. If you're walking down a, a dark street and a man approaches you, let's not even put a color on it, and a man mm -hmm. approaches you and he's by himself and he's, you know, to you, whatever shady looks like, he looks like a shady character, you might cross the street, you might pull your purse a little bit tighter, and and I've done that. And the sad thing is I've done it against my own race. Right. Have you ever felt that way? Oh, of course. So then there's and, a stereotype. And, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Especially if it's a black man. Right, right. Uh, there's an intersectionality a lot 
between race and sex relations because a lot of the same issues and the same judgments back and forth exist that that a man would be imposing and that he's going to be a threat in general and and then adding right. on top of it that he is a black right. man um right. yeah or I mean, a bald biker a bald white man covered in tattoos you know there are these mm-hmm. stereotypes that are attached to so here's this thing i have a female privileged i haven't been harassed by a cop because i'm a black woman i mm-hmm. haven't gone through what uh, some some people that I know as black, black, some of my black brothers have gone through. So I have female privilege. Or when I open my mouth, I know how to use, uh, you know, I, don't, I know how to enunciate and use diction and cross my T's and dot my I's. So I come off educated as compared to somebody who may not have had as much education. That doesn't mean they're dumb. That doesn't mean they need to be treated with less respect. So there's privilege everywhere. But when it comes to white privilege, here's the thing. Just like I said, I know I'm an American and I'm privileged to be an American. I can go into another environment and experience it so that I can appreciate it and be more sympathetic. So a lot of times I don't feel like white people are interested in being more sympathetic and figuring it out and learning. Like, Shannon, if you have a child, unless you have a child with a black man, and the kid comes out, you know, clearly if you have a boy, let's be specific, yeah. If you have a child with a white man, you will never have to sit down and tell, have a discussion with your kid about what to do when a cop pulls you over outside of just have respect. You won't have to sit down and say, look, don't make any sharp moves. You know, don't make any rash decisions. Don't get smart. Don't do this. Don't do that. If, right. he, if he is showing, you, don't, you will more than likely never have to have that discussion. And that's mm-hmm. my privilege. That's not your fault. But, right. At least I think the problem is um, white people on a whole are not even interested. Not even interested. When you're in power, you know, I mean, just like, you know, the the head of a corporation is not really that interested in in knowing what's going on. Uh, You know, when you feel that you are in control of the politics of a a country or of the, you know, society in a certain neighborhood – um, you don't you don't want to do anything to even the playing field whatsoever, and so why would you even consider that that what you have is more appealing than what someone else is dealing with? Like I, you know, exactly. the, the thought that you would have to sit down and talk to your son uh, and basically say, you know, this world there is such institutionalized racism in this world that if you get pulled over by a policeman or a policewoman that you're going to be profiled. And that is so, it automatically puts a young African-American boy on the defensive. And so do you feel like that uh, negatively affects their self-esteem as they're growing up for for young men? Um, I think it, uh, hmm, yeah, how could it not? Yeah, because then you have to build up defense mechanisms. So I'm not a black Mm -hmm. man. I can't speak for black men. I have two brothers. I'm married to a wonderful black man, um, but I still right. can't speak for them. And the funny thing is, some people will be very upset to hear this. Some black people will be upset to hear this because they might not believe me. I have not heard many situations within my inner circle and my family of going, you know, being pulled over and, you know, driving while black, as they say. Right. I haven't heard that, and I'm grateful for that, but I know it exists. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, so I know it exists, uh, but as a black woman, Here's the thing that you won't have to worry about. I have natural hair. The photo that you've used to advertise, 
five years ago, I would have never used that photo. My hair really? wasn't um, it's, it's because I don't want to change directions too quickly. But when it comes to hair and black women, one, mm-hmm. we have our own hang-ups within the black community about our hair. What I have learned on my journey of uh, stop using relaxers and stop putting chemicals in my hair to straighten it and just rock what God gave me, which is what's in the photo, the journey, right. there was a journey for that, Shannon. And I don't think... I wonder, I've asked the question before, I wonder if it's something that non-black women go through that is in any way comparable to what black women go through with our hair. When you see that or you hear about women going through uh, becoming natural, it is a journey. You don't just wake up Mm -hmm. one day. There are some strong women out there that just don't care. But because we've been brainwashed for so long that what God gave us is not good enough, we have used chemicals. So here's an example of white privilege, so to speak, or what I'm, I'm sorry, not white privilege, as a black woman, the stereotypes. If I went mm-hmm. to an interview, job interview or whatever, with my hair like that, which I hate mm-hmm. to say on a first interview, I would never go in. I would never go in with my hair like that because then there's coming, there's, then there's going to be a long line of thought process going through. Okay, well, you know, is she militant? Is she, oh, what's going on here? And, and I know that those are some of the thoughts that are going through your head. But the funny thing is, here's the flip side. Outside of corporate America, I get Mm -hmm. far more compliments from white people on my hair Uh, than I do from my own. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I do too. That's really amazing. And so so as you were as you were growing up, at what point did you start using chemicals in your hair and at what point did you realize that there was a judgment placed upon you uh, depending on whether you altered your natural hair or whether you, you know, went with the, the texture and style that you that you have. Oh, girlfriend, let me school you. Okay, so here is, let me preface this whole thing by saying this. One of the issues that black our black community is going through is we are harder on ourselves sometimes than we are than we than than other cultures and just for tonight's conversation, let's say white cultures. Okay, the white race is harder on us. Part of it right. is because uh, we are so divided. Like so, for me, I have a certain mindset, and I'm not interested in the foolishness and the ratchetness and the things that I've seen. Where you could talk to the next person and they think I'm being too hard on the next black person, right? right. So now we've created this struggle. Some people will say, oh, you're just trying to be white. I hear that a lot, which we can get into if we have time. We can get into that. Oh, you're just trying to be white because I have certain standards. And then other people, you know, will feel what, and then I might think, oh, you're just being hood or you're just being ghetto. And neither one of us are right. We need to allow each other to be who we are and appreciate whatever it is the next person does. So we haven't even left the black bubble, right? And then along comes a white person's thoughts the white privilege, the white ignorance, and so now we have even more pressure on this race because we're so concerned about what my sister thinks as opposed to my sister, which would be you, thinks. Right. So I said that to come back to the hair thing. I remember as a little girl, as young as, I'll go back to about six, seven, so it was around first grade, being picked on mercilessly about my hair. But my my mother was not interested in putting any chemicals in it, and so it was called nappy. Now, nappy is, nappy to a lot of black people is a negative word. 
But the truth of it is our hair is kinky, and so nappy is just talking about the nap of the hair, the texture of the hair is where nappy came from. So you hear nappy, and it's a negative attachment to it because that means it's thick. You can't just comb through it just as easily as when it's chemically altered. Um, you know, and then styles are not as attractive, which is brainwashing. So I heard mm-hmm. that as a young kid from like first grade. I got picked on all the time. I mean, I mean, I just, I, I almost killed myself, literally suicide over my hair. Wow. When I was in middle school, because I got picked on so badly, and then finally my mom, <laughs> my mom, she didn't know. Um, they didn't know that I was really considering killing myself because I got picked on so bad this one day, and I came home and wow. I was so low. And my parents were home. Thank God I didn't know they were going to be home that day. They were home, and I ended up, you know, I don't know what I would have done if they weren't home, but I just broke down yeah. and cried, and my mom took me and got me a jerry curl. That's the that's the funny story. So, you know, you hear the jerry oh. curl, but I was so happy to have my jerry curl because I'd gotten rid of the nappy hair. Um, so... It took me a long time. I mean, I have been natural for, I think I'm going on in five years in March. I think it'll be five years. And it took me about four years to come to the conclusion that I was going to try it. I, you know, there were enough products out there. There were enough hairstyles out there. And it's still a journey even now. The days I'm, But we all have this, you know, you hate your hair because it doesn't act right. It won't lay right. That's everybody's hair, right? So, right. But at this point, and I still hear it. I know I, I I heard it from black women or other people that just don't find natural hair attractive. They just don't. So so do you it, feel like by by having natural hair, it's your natural hair. So it shouldn't be a question at all, but do you feel like some people feel like you're making a statement by having your natural hair? I mean, is it in, do people who, still who take is some people? Who is some people? Because there is a big difference. Well, white people, I think it, like I said, when it comes to non-blacks, I think there's only, and I could be wrong. Like, I really could just be making this up in my head because I've never really Mm -hmm. sat back and asked someone in corporate America. I actually got complimented one time. I wore it. It wasn't, like, out in the fro, but it wasn't, like, a curly, you know, natural do. And I got complimented Mm -hmm. by the owner of of a company, a Jewish man, white Jewish man. But... There are black people, like my father for the longest time hated my hair, hated my hair, hated it. My husband loves my hair, which was a blessing because this stuff, when I wake up, if I didn't do the right things before I went to bed, it looks (laughs) crazy. He loves my natural hair, and I'm grateful for that. My father hates it. Now, he's kind of, it's grown on him a bit. He hated it, hated it. Did he hate it when you were a little girl, too? He did not hate it. I mean, obviously, he used different language, probably, um, but he okay. would. They would stay on me about what. Why is her hair not, you know, slicked back, pulled yeah. together? And I was a rambunctious kid, so you know, you could do it, and two minutes later, it's starting to pop out, just like my daughter is now. And and here's the thing, Shannon. I have to train myself with my daughter. I hope people aren't picking. I hope nobody's thinking about my daughter's hair and thinking negative things because it's not long enough where I can really style it too much. So it's just kind of frizzy and doing its own thing. But there was a huge discussion about Blue Ivy, Beyonce's daughter, because they were just letting her hair, you know, go wild and free as they can. We all know they can afford 200 hairdressers. (laughs) Yeah. You know, she's a two-year-old girl. But that is our hang. Those are our hang-ups. 
that we then go out and carry into the world, carry outside of the black bubble, and we carry it into the world where you don't even realize we got this stuff going on. Exactly. And then we, we exactly. have our hang-ups, and then we have other hang-ups that are, uh, have, have been put on us by people outside the black bubble. So we're walking around really scarred. A lot of us are. And it takes a lot yeah, of work to, ab- to get rid of that. Absolutely. <laughs> it sounds that way because it, it, it sounds like that there's a lot of um, – self-esteem issue and self-identity issue that that, mm-hmm. that that Caucasians don't have to think about. And it's just because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to figure out, am I okay as I am? And Vogue yeah. magazine is telling you no, you know, or corporate America is telling you no. Body image issues. Um, how do you, and, and obviously a lot of Caucasian women too, how do you think they differ between the two races? Well, here's what once here's that here's that cursor. Oh, I mean that asterisk. This is Tanya's mm-hmm. opinion. I think personally, white women have far more hangups than black women do about their bodies. I absolutely yeah. do. We are not afraid of our curves. We are not. Af- In fact, it's it's one of those um, two. It's a double edged sword with me. Like I love to see curvaceous black women. I, you know, I'm a more mm-hmm. athletic. You know, tall, thinner woman. I was. I used to be a heavy woman, um, so I've kind of been on both sides. Uh, I love that black women who do have curves, who may be thicker, um, aren't interested in being bone thin. They just want to tighten up their curves for those that are interested in. But then you have the other side of it where it's like, but are you being healthy? Are you just using this as an excuse to not be more disciplined? But I love black women bodies. I love that we... And I think most black women do love and appreciate their bodies, even if they, you know, might have a muffin top or whatever. We don't, I don't think we get caught up in magazines that much. You know, the Vogue magazines, the this, the that, you know, try right. to look so like. The body image for for Caucasian women and the hair for women that are African American, um, it seems that it's the opposite, that, that Caucasian women, we're really more hung up on, um, body image and, and how we present ourselves physically uh, that way. And right. African-American women are concerned, they're comfortable with their bodies and they're concerned about how they're going to present themselves with their with their hairstyle. Do you think exactly. That's a- and here's the other thing. Like, we, you know, I haven't had this discussion because it's just one of those, I don't even know if we really have to have this discussion uh, among my other sisters if we we giggle at this whole twerking uh twerk nation that has taken over you know how long black people been twerking so to speak black women have been right. twerking and then here's one of those things and then miley cyrus comes along and does it and then all of a sudden it's the biggest best brightest thing but this is the funny thing i know i am more than aware that if there's a white woman that's interested in knowing how to twerk and she secretly goes and logs in on YouTube, I guarantee you she's going to watch a black woman twerk before she watches a white woman twerk. And there are some white women that can twerk. But you see what I'm saying? So here's another example. This is one of those things that I giggle at all the time. White women were not interested in big butts. And I'm not talking about these ridiculous fake butts now. I'm talking about just having more curves until J-Lo hit the scene and blew up. Now, J-Lo mm-hmm. is not white, but she's also not black, and she's closer to white, so to speak, as being accepted than she is to black. But yeah. she made it okay because Hollywood, Hollywood went crazy 
when J-Lo showed up and had a butt. Do you know how many black women are walking around? I could go outside and stand on Central Ave and within 10 minutes pick out three to four women that have better butts than J-Lo any day. You see what I'm saying? But now it's all in style because someone who is not black has some of the blacker tendencies, but she's not black, so it's safe. There's always been imitation um, of right. African Americans, especially in in music. You know, I mean, imitation right. is the sincere form of flattery, and the holy grail of music has been what has come from African American culture throughout time, throughout decades, throughout centuries. Um, but in modern days, there's kind of a fine line between uh, imitation and cultural appropriation. Um, and I, and that's you know that's kind of been a, a discussion that I've been hearing lately is that what is suddenly becoming popular or what is reinforcing a negative stereotype and being somewhat demeaning you know like when Miley Cyrus was up there at the was it the VMAs where she did her performance and she was basically using African American women as props and I was offended by that, and I would be interested in an African-American woman's perspective on that. Well, here's the sad thing. We should be offended by it, too. And the funny thing is we will say behind closed doors, you know, she's using us to to get her name out there, but we don't get mad when Nicki Minaj uses us because Nicki Minaj just came out, what, a month and a half or two months ago with the Anaconda video, which I think is the most vile music video out there. I'm I'm embarrassed by it. But it I went platinum. It. If you need to see it, see it, but don't waste your time on the other side of it. I mean it's especially for the the way you fight for feminism, you will be offended. Yeah. <laughs> so it's once again, it's one of those things where it's like you get mad, mhm. You know, and imitation is <laughs> the greatest form of flattery in a lot of cases, but not when it comes to the music scene, especially from the, the history we that we've had. We have people like Little Richard, and you have people like James Brown, and you have um, people whose stuff was stolen by Elvis Presley. You know, Elvis mm-hmm. didn't come up with those dance moves. He knows that. Well, he knew that. We know that. You know, and right. then they didn't get, we didn't get paid the same. We 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 would be doing the Elvis Presley moves, but it's not sexy. It's only sexy because now the mainstream white guy does it. So in that case, I don't think it's that flattering. But when it comes to things like twerking, you know what? You kind of got to go by an individual basis. But most of the time we end up feeling offended because we feel like we are invisible. And stuff doesn't right. matter until the white person gets their hands on it and transforms it. I mean, they're taking what belongs to your culture, what comes from your culture, the the beautiful, appealing things that are popular, and taking them kind of as as their own. Um, and so I can I can see why that would be very bothersome. Um, the invisible thing I can understand too, because it's co- you know why when we've been doing this for so long did no one stand up and take notice? And so does that going back to the Elvis Presley thing. Like, I mean, that kind of seems like a, a statement that uh, at, at the time attitudes were way worse than they are right now as far as right. racism goes. Um, but it, it right. seems like they're saying a, a black man isn't good enough to, to worship, to, to do these things. Because people feel safer. Now, when I say people, I'm just saying it as a statement. And that's not saying that I, I, I believe it. Um, let me right. give you a modern-day example. Let's leave Elvis alone, and let's talk modern-day. Modern, modern day. Was it last year, yeah. I believe, at the Grammys? Macklemore, mm-hmm. the, the rap team, I don't know if you know the song, Macklemore, um, 
and they're great. They're fantastic. They beat out this guy that everybody was crazy about, this black rapper who was just apparently, I, I, I'm not in love with hip-hop anymore. I lost it. I lost my love for hip-hop a long time ago, so I can't keep up with everybody. But I've heard him. I've heard him spit his rhymes, and he is wonderful. But I enjoy the pop sensation of Macklemore's raps as well, too, right? So he beat him out, which nobody was expecting. And everybody, there was a huge uproar of, Macklemore won because he was a white guy. And so it was a perfect example. It was it was Elvis taking Lil Richard's moves and, right. and things. Now, we don't own hip-hop. Some people feel like black people own hip-hop. I don't think we do. But I do feel like I understand why people can give you the side eye and give you, you know, lift, lift, lift an eyebrow when you see something like that happen. And then on top of that, it was um, – it was widely known that that rapper was far better than Macklemore, far more talented, and his album was amazing as well. So much so, Shannon, that the next day it hit the news that Macklemore, he, he spoke to the press at night, and so they were talking about it, and he actually, I think Instagram tweeted the guy and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I won. Wow. Oh, at yeah, least so add the awareness, you know, the, the self-awareness and the cultural awareness to know what was going on and, and to be able to, I mean, I think that's the, you know, that's a sign of a good person that somebody can, can do that. But so why do you think he won the award? Well, let me say this to, to come back at you, and I, I don't want to get too militant in it. I thought it, was, mm-hmm. I thought it was cool that he acknowledged it. You know what would have been cooler? You give him the award, and you do it publicly. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's what I really thought he was do- should have done. But I don't know. Was that too black of me? Was that too militant of me to, to, to hope for that? I mean, he won the award. It wasn't, the other, it wasn't Macklemore's fault, but it, that's what I would have done. I would have given my award to him if I really thought that I didn't deserve it. I would have publicly given it to him. Now, I don't know how, in Macklemore's defense, I don't know how many people would have been offended by that, you know, in the academy, so to speak, would have been offended by it. So I get it. So what was your, I'm sorry, what was your question? That's right. The question was, why do you mm-hmm. think he won the award if it wasn't deserved? Because it's the same reason why, um, all right, I'm a t- do you watch uh, Scandal? I don't. Do you watch, like, any of the Shonda Rhimes shows, Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, or How to Get Away with Murder? No. I'm, okay, so I'm, I'm just going to yeah, tell you, I'm not Shonda Rhimes, Shonda Rhimes owns Thursday nights on ABC. She just does. Now, I've never watched Grey's Anatomy, and that's nothing against. I just didn't get into it. But I love Scandal. I love How to Get Away with Murder. So here we go. This is I figured out the formula, and you are getting an exclusive authentic woman because I figured out this formula, and I have not said it uh, publicly yet. Shonda Rhimes has a, is wonderful at diversity in her cast. But what I've noticed is a lot of times, she won't let black on black love breathe. She won't let she won't make black on black love hard and strong in in her storylines. They might have really? an affair, or they might be dating for a short while, but if you look at her casting, she always has Olivia Pope is with a white guy and then she was dating another white guy and then the one black guy that did come along it was a short lived, she didn't love him, but she's madly in love and having an affair with the white guy and black people talk about that. We do talk about it. But then you don't make much of a funk because there are a couple of other black one uh uh, uh Carrie Washington is the lead actress, so she's holding that show down and that's an amazing feat, right? So you kind of Right. But under the rug because we at least have Carrie Washington. Go to the next show, 
You have Viola Davis, who's an amazing, another amazing actress, holding down. Guess what? She's married to a white one, but she's having an affair with a black man that she's crazy about. But she really does still love her white husband. So what I've realized is, I wrote a blog about this. I realized that the formula is you have just enough black to to uh, celebrate the fact that we're up there, to celebrate the fact that we have some positive images. But if you really want to sell, it it will be a black show if there is then a black male lead to go with these women. That's the sad thing. It would then become a black show if it's two two stars on there, right? And right. The sad, so here's the sad thing. So she's, she makes it so that people i.e. non-black people, feel safe to tune in because we all know she's an amazing writer. We all know that she, you know, cast and has superb actors. But but is this a black show? Oh, because if it's a black show, not since Cosby have we had anything crossover and it's accepted right. into every household. Right. And, that's, that's and that I get it from a business standpoint, but it makes me mad yes, as a black most- woman. Right. Just by the, the the simple casting choices, you are very right. The outside perspective, it's if it's a black family, then it is perceived as a show about a black family and therefore a black show. Uh, let's talk about terminology here for a second, because I know a okay. lot of get confused um, or don't or, are so afraid of offending people that hmm. they're not sure what to say. I tend to use the terms African-American and black interchangeably um, mm-hmm. because, I mean, I think that's kind of what I see happening kind of in print and in media and in conversation, but I know some people are offended by being called black and some people are offended by being called African-American. So I know that you're only speaking for you, um, right. but from your experience, what is your take on that? I use it interchangeably as well. And I think that it's foolishness at this point in the struggle. <laughs> at this point in the struggle, I think it's foolish to get caught up in, in that terminology. I'm proud to be black, and I always will go for black because it's less letters. It's less work on the tongue to say. So I usually just right. say black and be done with it. Now, if I just want to show I'm educated or I'm tired of repeating myself, I might throw African-American in there, but that's just too much work. I, I, right. I, you know, I'm a black woman. And, yes, originally I'm from Africa, but I'm so far removed from that. You look at me, and anybody that knows anything about a black person knows that our roots are from Africa. If anybody that knows anything about human beings, as of now, the first human being was found in Africa. So right. truth be told, we're all African. Truth be told, right? So, so I don't have a problem being black. Yeah, and 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 that's that's kind of been my understanding, and what I've kind of been seeing is that lately it seems that you can use those terms interchangeably, and fewer people are offended. I think our 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 society's become so concerned about being politically correct. Like you said, labels are the least of our worries. But we do, you know, I, I think we all need to take care and be careful not to not to offend people if we can. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right, I mean, right, I think right, that right. Uh, stop to pause. And if I say this, is this something that's going to be offensive? If I do this, is this something that's going to be offensive? Um, and some people say You'll that, be gray uh, by the next day. You'll be pulling your hair exactly. out trying to be... And that's why I say, like, for me, if I say something that's offensive and I don't realize it, then charge it to my head and not my heart and then teach me. And then don't hold right. a grudge. See, the problem is a lot of people hold a grudge. And and I just mm-hmm. don't have time. I have a great girlfriend. I mean, she's like a sister to me. And when I tell you, I think that she she has gone through her experiences 
and and therefore it has molded and shaped her that she is far more sensitive. She could not have these discussions with you because she would think that there is something else going on, in my opinion. Uh, like she couldn't have of... this discussion. Yeah, she would. She would be. Uh, I'm trying to choose my words wise because if she's listening, I don't want her to get mad at me. But to me, <laughs> she can't have these discussions. Okay, here's an example. She was not. She was not happy with me with my discussions on my blog about the Ferguson trial. Me personally, mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to wait and find out more information before I just started cry, crying. Hey, he killed this black man for no reason. And. Right. Um, and, you know, I want to know what happened because stuff was not making sense to me. And I wasn't sure if Michael Brown was just completely innocent. Now, that kid did not need to be killed the way he did. I already came to that conclusion. But did yeah. Darren, Officer Darren Wilson have um, a reason to pull the trigger as many times as he did? I wanted to hear that. And when I put that up there, people were not happy. A lot of black people were not happy with me, and that's a tough topic. I mean, we don't have time to really dive deep into that. It's like, I don't just co-sign with everything because we share the same hue, you know, color skin. I don't do that. Now, I don't do that. You can go down the street, and in fact, that girlfriend will say, I will defend it out in public, and then I'm behind closed doors. I I won't, might not, I might not really mean what I say. I think that's crazy. I just think that's foolishness to me. To me, so right, absolutely, um, yeah, but, I and I agree. You know, to, to get the facts, and and I come, you know, from a from a feminist activist perspective, um, I always want to be outspoken and stand up for what's right, but I want to make sure I've got the facts, just like you said, because you know, once if you've got the facts on your side, then you can make a valid argument. Shannon, now, I what had about, a question. What about education? Um, as as far as um, you know, I mean, we we grew up together. We went to the same high school. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel that there were any differences in uh, the education that you received or the attitudes from the teachers because of your race? That's a great question. Um, I don't. Now, once again, I can have ten girlfriends looking at me like, "Are you serious?" But I also think that it was a an attitude, like an, it, it, a meaning depending on your, the attitude that you have. I have not had a lot of blatant racial situations, and I think right. that the blatant racism we can get over. It's the subtle racist things. But I have not had a lot of experiences where I can say that was racism. That was racism. You know, right. I I can't. There are little things that have happened in the office where, you know, if Sally walks in, it's like, good morning, Sally. And then when Tanya walks in, it's like, what's up, Tanya? Why why I got to get the slang? See, that's that little stuff that really irks me. You want to test out your new slang with me. You know what I mean? Like, or you ask me a question and expect me to answer it for all black people. Like, that's the stuff that, that's ignorance to me. That's just ignorance. But I try my best, I've learned over the years, to try not to be offended so quickly by it. But I will also, if I'm in the right environment, I will correct you. But um, education, well, believe it or not, here's one of those things, the things that would happen in the black bubble. I used to get picked on by certain people in my family, that I went to that white school when I went off to to, to James Madison because mm-hmm. the other person went to an all-black school. And there was a there was a battle going on about, oh, you, you know, that's not realistic to go to an all-black school because that's not what's going on in the real world, you know. 
Right. And then I would get, yeah, but you're trying to be white and you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that. You know, we both were wrong. You know what I mean? But it, it once again, that was one of those things that I experienced. If anything else, I experienced it within the black bubble as opposed to out in reality. So we are, and it amazes me that we're still dealing with issues of integration in 2014. And, I mean, it's it's not a, a – I mean, it's more of a – societal thing now as opposed to a governmental or a complete cultural but I mean that same kind of thing of where do you go to college and if you do go to college um, people are going to have a negative view whichever way you go I don't know I mean we're still dealing with how we can all live together in society and understand each other and not have conflict and not judge others the hard thing, though, Shannon, is what you probably will never understand. Maybe you will. Maybe I shouldn't underestimate. I don't think you really understand that black bubble thing that I'm saying. Like, we have so many hang-ups before we leave out our front door thrown our way. And it does, yeah. it goes back to, that's why I say, and I always mess this up, so I want to say the right thing. Not segregation, integration. Right. is one of the worst things that could have happened to us. Not desegregation, integration was one of the worst things that could have happened to the black culture But because before we were accepted and it was passed as a law that we were able to go into white stores, we were able to sit at the counter. Black people pulled together and they took care of each other and they created their own stores and their own you know, um, markets where we were financially supporting one another and holding each other up and chin-checking each other and saying that wasn't good, that's not good enough, you have to be better than. But then once it was uh, laid out that we could go in and, and we could, you know, partake in the same experiences as you, we forgot about supporting each other. And so some of us are so focused in making it in your eyes as opposed to making it in our eyes. And so that's that struggle that we go through. Some people don't feel, here's an example. An example. Oprah did her network. Oprah came mm-hmm. out a few years ago, and she said at one point she didn't want to just do black programming because she, you know, she wanted to be diverse. She didn't just want to have a black network. We had that with BET. And she went out and she did all her shows and she did, you know, diverse programming and different veins and different things. And then she turned around and that thing was sinking. That shit was sinking. And the show that turned it around for her was Sweetie Pies, a reality show about a former uh, Ike Turner backup singer that quit singing and opened up a soul food restaurant. And it was about her life. And that show turned Mm -hmm. it around. Today, Oprah is in the black simply because she brought... Yon LaVon's on, on, Tyler Perry is writing for them, for her. Right. And so she ended up having to accept that she needed us. She needed us in order to survive. That's a perfect example of, like, what we deal with at home before we even open up the front door. I don't want to just limit myself. I want to go out there and be accepted by everybody, you know. So, but so sometimes it's is- okay to just be celebrated. Now, what is different in uh, in being perceived as successful by um, an inclusive group as opposed to the black bubble? What what expectations are different? You know it's what I'm saying? It's so deeply ingrained, in my opinion. I don't mm-hmm. think it's stuff that we 
until you find specific examples, I don't think it's something that you can really, that people just sit around and talk about. Like that thing really has to come up. Like the Oprah thing was kind of the writing is on the wall, but it's not always the writing is on the wall. But when it comes to entertainment, entertainment, mm-hmm. they call it black money or colored money or whatever you want to call it versus mainstream money. You know, and that simply means airing my dirty, airing our dirty laundry right now. A lot of times, we might not have the funds, we may not have the backing, the resources to do the things we want to do, and so right. therefore, if you are a comedian and you're just coming up, you're a black comedian. Well, you can get put on at the black clubs, but you're only going to make three thousand here. Well, as opposed to you can go to Caroline's, which is you know a mainstream club, you're going to make ten thousand. So your strive is not necessarily, I don't want to be accepted by black people. Sometimes the strive is money, you know what I mean, that factor. So it's not always just, oh, I want to be accepted by white people, but like you said earlier in the show, it is what it is. White people have the power. So if they have the power, they have the funds. Yeah. May I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Okay, I want to ask you this quick question, going back to when I brought up the Jordan Davis, the Trayvon Martin cases, the, and Michael Brown. How did you feel, let's just do the Trayvon Martin, since that was one that started the ball rolling. Yeah. How did you feel during the George Zimmerman trial? Um, I Well, I, I can tell you how I felt about the verdict. I didn't really follow the trial carefully, okay. because mm-hmm. I was so... I was so convinced that he was going to be convicted. I mean, I, to me, it was a given. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he basically hunted this boy down, and, and, and all of the evidence was pretty clear, I thought, you know? And so I just, I didn't even follow day by day by day because I just thought, well, I mean, it's, there it is in black and white, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, he killed this guy. And then when he was acquitted, I was just absolutely flabbergasted. It's um, it just makes me really sad. It makes me really, really sad that um, he was going after. I mean, he had a history of going after um, people of color that were walking through the neighborhood, and 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 his being a minority, people judge him too, and people are putting negative stereotypes upon him too. And so for him to then project that onto another person. It's just a cycle of hate. It's a cycle of misunderstanding. It's a cycle of judgment. And I don't really know what the solution is. What is the solution to stop the judgment? Because it, it takes society changing. It takes everybody changing. Like, there's, there's no activism. Uh, you know, you can't change legislation that's going to change people's minds, that's going to change the way people yeah. look at, at other races, at other genders. To me, the, the worst stereotypes for Caucasians and for African Americans. For African Americans, it's the, you know, that the young men are, are violent and aggressive. Um, and then for for Caucasians, to me, it's the, the ignorant redneck, you know, the ignorant racist redneck. Right. And those are, right. those are the two because there are, there are some violent young black men out there, and there are some stupid, ignorant, racist, Caucasian rednecks out there. And so you've got, you know, suddenly we're all projecting 
our opinion on everybody in that demographic. Like, you know, I mean, we, we look at, at, at people who live in the South, who live in low-income communities, who, you know, might go hunting or whatever, and we automatically assume that they're racist and ignorant. And then people look at African Americans who might be walking down a city street, and they ought, like we were talking about earlier, you know, we, someone might cross to the other side of the street for fear that this is a violent person. And so, how do we change inside of each individual person's mind? I will say that I don't think it'll ever end, but I think we could reduce. And I think that the, this current, the youngest generation out there now are doing far better than you and I are, as we are doing far better than perhaps our parents' generation. Um, yeah. But what I plan on doing is limiting the things that come into this house with, you know, as far as TV shows. And I'm already saying, okay, you know, Tony, you got to wing yourself off some of these reality shows because your daughter's going to get it soon. She's going to understand soon. She's only a year and a half now, but she's going to understand soon. And so we're going to have to start weaning, you know, those kinds of things. But here's the flip side. Like, I want to make sure that she's in a diverse environment, especially when it comes to school. Um, but at the same time, it's important for her to be among you know, black people. It's it's important right. that she has friends that look like her and her their hair looks like her, and I'm not going to force it, but it's important that I take her and make sure that she's um, in both of those environments. Uh, I think we need to keep having conversations like this where, you know, no judgment, no, you know, no, no, no foul. You can say what you mean, and I won't take it personal. But, like, that's why we have to have these conversations, you know? Like you, we have to. Because I, I'm not black, and I've, I've never been raised in a black family, in a black, you know, predominantly black community. And so I just don't know what those experiences are. And, I mean, I can read okay. about them, but it's through these conversations, like you said, that, uh, that we, we educate each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. I mean, for me to think that you're going to go home and sit and, and, and watch a ton of, you know, black TV shows and things like that in order in order to be more understanding, more sympathetic, that's that's crazy. Like, if that's not what you're dealing with on a regular basis, it's not what you're dealing with on a regular basis. I'm not living in squalor on a regular basis, so I right. want to be humbled by it, but does that mean I need to go and live like that in order to be sympathetic to what someone else is going through? No. Yeah. But it's just... I don't know if racism will ever end. I don't think it ever will end. But I think we can grow up. <laughs> I think we can all grow up and be more effective. Right. Since we elected a black president, racial tensions have gone through the roof that were not there prior to that. Because I think some racist people are so horrified that there is a black man in the White House that they are projecting that onto every black person they see. Have you sensed racial tensions increasing greatly since Barack Obama was elected president? The things that have happened to President Obama are outrageous. The way they yelled at him during his State of the Union addresses, I have never seen that happen. That was during his first term a long time ago. That that really bothered me. The, the the comments that they've made, the racial jokes that they've done, the, the emails that have been sent out behind the backs, the photos that have been, um, the, the cartoonish draw that are just so negative, it is 
amazing the level of racism. But you said something that I actually think needs to to be discussed, or I don't want to say corrected, but I just want to point out you said all the racist people that have come out. Here's the truth. A lot of the people that think the things that you were just saying and the things that I was pointing out, they wouldn't consider themselves racist. They have black friends. They this, they that. The stuff is so deeply seated. You know, racism right. can be really deeply seated and um and, and deeply rooted and you don't even realize it until you turn around and you got your nose turned up. But here's the flip side, Shannon. Once again, the black bubble. I am not one of those people who is I'm just going to vote for Obama because he's black. I'm not. I was not. And this, the second round, well, both times I paid attention, but especially the second round because that's one of my, that's like an Achilles heel for me when it comes to politics. And, and I just don't believe anything anybody says, and so sometimes I just tune it out. Well, I don't have that liberty anymore, especially as a parent. Right. I don't have that liberty to tune it out, so I have to pay attention. And I I wanted to vote for the best candidate. And at the end of the day, for me, he was but I don't think, like, I think it was the most ridiculous thing that he was given the Nobel Peace Prize when, when he was mm-hmm. given that Nobel Peace Prize. All you right. did to win that is show up and be a black man. That's foolishness. You haven't right. done anything. That's very but true. You, with the black bubble, Prize you know how promise. many people in the black bubble have a problem with my sentiments? Do you really? know? Like, with the, oh, God, you... you I, I don't know if I'm the minority. That might be too. I'm still the minority. I don't know what the percentage of, but yeah. that's almost sacrilegious for me to say that. That's almost sacrilegious. Some people are just Obama, 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 and they may not want to admit it. What they'll do, Shannon, is they'll hide behind the fact that, which is the truth, this is the truth, but I still think they're hiding behind the fact that um, he was handed a mess when he came into office in his first term. And now everybody's looking to him to be the savior and fix everything in a short amount of time. So I do think that's the truth. But I think sometimes people will hide behind that just simply because he's a black man and just want to support him. And I don't know if that's all wrong. I don't know if that's really all wrong. It might might not be the case. But for me, I just, I'm not interested in operating that way, and I don't think President Obama is interested in having me operate that way. And so, and, and I think that with with heroes within a, a community, I mean, athletes, you know, uh, there are so many extremely celebrated athletes that are African-American, men and women, um, that are so well-respected and are excellent role models, and I think it is so important that we have those people, that we have those people that have succeeded and that have achieved greatness and that have a talent and have worked hard and have all children. I mean, doesn't matter what your race. We all need to see people like us succeeding and doing things that are, you know, that, that we're going to want to emulate. But another question that I want to ask you, um, the issue of colorblindness, because a lot of mm. people say, um, kind of what you were saying before, you know, oh, I'm not racist, I have black friends, and I'm, I don't see color. And so, and, and they truly believe that. They truly believe that they don't see color um, and that it doesn't matter. And then when you put the concept of white privilege in with that, knowing that we all need to accept that there is white privilege, where does colorblindness fall within all of it? And what's the right balance of acknowledging race 
uh, and acknowledging the differences while not making a big deal out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like what I, I'm trying to find, and I think that a lot of people are trying to find that balance because colorblind isn't necessarily the best way to be because then we're basically poo-pooing um, all of the privileges that, that we've had that African-Americans exactly. haven't. Exactly. Now, even before that, I just think that's a bunch of tomfoolery. People that say that, I think they either they are just blowing smoke or they are trying to say, I recognize that you're black, but I don't care. That's what you really should say. Don't say you don't see color. I mean, one of right. the first identifying factors when it's, when someone is describing a human being is to say the race. And right. I even catch myself, I'll even tell a story, and I'll be like, I will say, yeah, I hung out with my girlfriend Shannon today, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the white girl, the da-da-da-da-da. Like, I, right. I could have I could have said the, the girl with the red hair or the girl that has the radio show. And the sad thing is this is what would have happened if I had done that. Hey, I hung out with the, um, my friend Shannon today, and, and let's say I'm saying it to my husband, and he says, which one's Shannon? Shannon's the one with the radio show. Um, Shannon, the one that the one that I went to Manchester with, um, the white girl. Oh, Shannon! <laughs> right. <laughs> it happens. There's nothing wrong with I, it. We have to talk because here's the thing. Like you said, it is a it is, a, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because I I guess I never really accepted that it is a form of white privilege when you sit there and say that you don't recognize my skin color. How do you not mm-hmm. recognize my skin color? Because the truth of the matter is I want you to treat me like Tanya, the individual, but you are going to get a black woman when you're dealing with Tanya. That right. is just what it is. And so you okay. can't just say it. You, you're certainly not going to call me the N-word, right? You're not going to just assume it's okay to say that word around me, even if you're using it in your best intentions, versus if you were just using it in a discussion, not in a, a, a malintent around white people, you might have no problem saying it a little bit easier, but you wouldn't do that around Tanya, the black friend that you don't see color. You just wouldn't do it. Yeah, and, and, and that it would be best if that were completely eradicated, I think, from the uh, the world vernacular, uh, if we could just right. take that out. I mean, there are just some things that are just always going to be offensive from historical context, and there's it's just never going to be okay. <laughs> it's just never going to be okay. It's never going to be okay, but here's the other side of it, though. If you were just telling me a, a story, all right, here's an example, Shannon. Several years ago, when Barack Obama was running the first time, I think, was it Rick Perry? That might have been the second time. Was it Rick Perry, the governor from Texas, I think is his name? And he pretty much lost the race on this whole situation where they found out that some land that he owned had a rock on it. Remember that story? A rock that was from way back in the times, and the rock had the original name of this this land called Enrock. Right? I'm saying now, see, honestly, I'm only doing this out of respect for your show. I would just say the word because it's just a word. And when you're giving it power like that, like it's just a word this way. But if I said, right. look at that N-word, then it's a whole other story. So, so they started talking about it on The View. And Barbara Walters said, you know, what's the problem with they got mad that some reporter actually used the word on CNN? And they were just saying the word 
as they were mm-hmm. reporting because it's a word. And so right. uh, Sherry Shepard was so offended. She doesn't get the right to say that. She doesn't get the right to say that. Now, this wasn't Don Lemon using a word. It was a white woman using a word. She doesn't get to say And Barbara was saying, this doesn't make any sense. Why can't she use the word? It's a word, and she's not using it in that context. She is describing a story as her profession calls for her to do. And right. Sherry actually, to me, was an embarrassment. I didn't agree because we keep giving ourselves, giving power to that word. Now, I'm not interested in hearing the word period, to be very right. honest, but if it's just coming up as in this discussion, I honestly right. will not walk away thinking, oh, Shannon was just too comfortable using that word. She must be using that word at home. I, I wouldn't necessarily feel that way if you used it in the proper tone, so to speak. Right, like to describe a rock, you know, in a news story. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think at that point you're, you can't deliver the news if you don't say what the news is. Okay, so I agree with you. I do agree with you. But, you know, and, and, and like you said at the very top of the program, I certainly don't represent all white women and you certainly don't represent all black women, right. you know, and everybody has different opinions on everything. So, you know, Sherry has her opinion on that. You have your opinion on that. And there are probably 20,000 other opinions out there. But there are some things that are that are universal. True passion, which is when it comes to entertainment and how stereotypes affect us, black people, when it comes to entertainment. So let's talk about entertainment, especially in the, the music industry, um, in, in music videos. I, I mean, African-American women are often portrayed, you know, they're scantily clad and they're completely objectified. And there's also, a, you know, in the lyrics of words, you know, bitch, Ho, and really kind of referring to women as being disposable. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of, there's just a lot of negativity that's coming that, that does harm to to women in general coming from the music industry right now. Uh, and what are your thoughts on that, and what are your thoughts on how it is impacting African-American culture? I think that, personally, if we continue to bump our heads to it and rock out on the dance floor then you're just a hypocrite if you have a problem with it. You have to turn it off if you have a problem with it. Once again, it goes back to me knowing that my vote, my voice, I matter. And so if I'm not going to tune in, and if everybody else were to get the message, if you don't like it and don't tune in, it will go away. So with regards to the music videos, you know, I think there are other, if I may just shift just a little bit, I think there are stronger issues uh, when it comes to programming for African American, the things that really get my goat, the music mm-hmm. videos have kind of died down. They are terrible, they're horrible, but I don't think music music videos are as popular as they used to be. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm just getting old. But the thing that really gets to me are the the types of roles that African Americans choose. I pursued acting for a long time, and 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 it's been a while. And I love I love the arts. I love acting. And I love stories um, that uplift African-Americans. But I personally got tired of stories that were, as I've deemed it, the black struggle. The black struggle is I've defined that things that are set in the civil rights movement or prior to, things that are always focusing on slavery, things that are always focused on how the black person got over, how the black person came up from the hood, and now we've made it, you know, on the east side, like the Jeffersons. Don't get me wrong, those stories are important, but as we have evolved, as we have grown, there are more stories out there that don't have anything to do 
with that don't really have much to do with the fact that I'm black. They're just a story because guess what? I'm still a black woman. I'm still a black. I'm still a Christian. You know what I mean? I just so happen to be a black Christian. I mean, I'm still all of these other factors that we can talk about that might touch on the black experience, but it's really not about that. It's about the other experience. So, for instance, I, for one, am not interested in seeing 12 Years a Slave which came out last year with all the rave, with the Oscars and all of that stuff, I don't need to see another slave movie right now. I'm inundated. Right. I don't need to see it. And when I have conversations with my, my friends who are in, in the entertainment field, and here's another one when it comes to theater. And Porgy and Bess with my operatic, mm-hmm. my classical singing friends, they know yeah. that they will work for a long time as long as there's a production of Poor Game Best being done. And I'm like, right. how many times do you have to do Poor Game Best? But their their reply is, they pay me. And that just drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. Don't get me wrong, I know you have to eat. But the truth of the matter is, Non-blacks are interested in the black experience because they can't relate, especially when it comes to theater and the movies. They will go in droves to see these high-quality slave pics and things that, um, you know, Lorraine Hansberry's A Raisin in the Sun has been done a million times on Broadway. And it's getting to the point where it's like, but there are other stories out there to be told that don't have so much to do with the black struggle. Do you follow what I'm saying? Absolutely, yes. So now here's the thing, like, and this is a serious black black bubble discussion. You literally can knock on the door next door and, and talk to the next black person and they think I'm crazy. Because the other side of the story is, and I get it, you don't want to lose our history. We can't lose our history. So, yes, there's a movie coming out early next year about Martin Luther King, and when I first heard about it, I was like, how many, how many movies do we need to do on Martin Luther King? For real. Do you know how many other people out there whose stories haven't been told yet? How many movies right. we got to do? Now, in this case, it's specifically about the march in Selma, the Selma March. And when I stopped and, and first when I saw the previews, and then when I stopped and thought about it, I was like, you know what? I mean, I've heard about it, but this will be yeah. different. This is something a little different. So I got to be careful about how, how thick I draw my line. But the other side of it is, and, and then I'll be quiet, here's the other side. You, my story, Tanya Tatum Swift, who was born in 1974 as the civil rights movement was coming towards an end and will die, you know, God willing, a little bit further down the road. Where's my story going to be in 50 years? Where's my story going to be in 50 years if we just keep regurgitating things that happened in the black struggle? We're not going to have our story. It'll be generation stories who are not being told because we've been so focused on the black struggle. And, it, and that's now that is the that is the nucleus of my 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 plight when it comes to African Americans and how we're seen in 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 the media when it comes to the, the arts. The current struggle that is being seen publicly is the victimization. Is Ferguson? Those are the stories that are coming out about race now. It's it's about. African Americans being victimized. I mean, there's there's not that much of a of a public dialogue that is specific to race now, and and perhaps it's good that the dialogue isn't specific to race, you know, and it's showing that race is less of a factor. Um, but when it is a factor, it's a really big factor sometimes. And I, I would like more positive. We need to come up with some some new 
positive black experience black stories. Yeah, and it's gotten think. better. Yeah. It's gotten better. You know, I, I love, I call it this, I love colorblind casting or colorblind stories where it yeah. doesn't matter who would be in it. The story is just the story, and we all live that in our everyday lives. I have to paint my fingernails the same way you got to paint your fingernails. Not because right. I'm black, I can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, can we tell that story? Can somebody t- can somebody follow me for a day and watch me paint my fingernails and it just be about that and not about the exactly. black woman who's painting her fingernails? Right. That's Absolutely. all I'm getting at. I Obviously, I'm not a black female, but as a female, right. a lot of things that I do, people are like, wow, you know, it, it's great that a woman is doing this. And, and the, exactly. you know, that. You know, you do this so well for a woman, and and how great to see you, you know, standing up and being a strong woman. And I'm like, I'm just a human being, and you you know what I mean? And, yes, I'm strong, and, yes, I'm doing this, but you don't have to add the fact that I'm female in every compliment, which, don't get me wrong, I'm not turning down compliments, but so I would imagine that it's doubles, you know, you get that for being female and you get that for your race, and sometimes you do just wish that that it, it wouldn't be a factor, and... And I guess the way to make it not a factor is to talk about it until it's not. And you guys. also stop supporting. If you really are sick of seeing a certain type of movie, stop going. Because guess what? Yeah. Studios will hop, jump, and, 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 and move mountains in order to, to get black dollar. And that's another thing. The black dollar is powerful, and we just don't get it. We won't let it get in our heads when it comes to TV and when it comes to buying. Our buying power is amazing, and yeah. we don't get that. We watch TV four times as much uh, as much as the next um, racial group. Four times. Wow. So there, there's the power in it when it comes to the financial. You can talk about the negative side, like get up off your butt and turn the TV off and do something with yourself. But we watch TV four times as the, as as much as the next racial group. Yeah. So that's advertising dollars and. Exactly. Uh, programming as well. You know? And programming. Yeah, definitely. I think this is a good conversation. I think there's so much more to talk about. This is and an amazing And hopefully people out there will continue to, to talk about these things because I we can't shy away from having conversations about sensitive issues because the issues just become more sensitive. Yeah. It's been a wonderful conversation. And if you ever want to continue this, you know where to find me because I can talk about this stuff all night long i really and just genuinely enjoyed it i've enjoyed every minute me too and thanks to all the listeners out there thank you so much for giving us some of your time tonight and hopefully you'll continue these conversations on and with your friends and your families and your communities and uh this is the authors on the air global radio network i'd like to thank our sponsor michael lowndes at pmlmedia.com and i would again like to thank tanya tatum thank you tanya thank you so so much for coming on the show